Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, everybody. Jamie and Caitlin here. Uh, We just wanted to give a quick content warning at the top of this episode. We are talking about Promising Young Women today. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be a content warning for um, sexual abuse. There is, uh, we we tried our best, but there are obviously some descriptions um, that take Mm -hmm. place within the movie. And we just want everyone to take care of themselves. Yes, indeed. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name's Jamie Loftus. And this is our podcast where we discuss movies that you won't stop asking us to cover. From an intersectional lens. And then sometimes movies that, you know, in the case of The Human Centipede, for example, Mm -hmm. that um, no one asked us to cover. Oh, are you sure about that? I would check the numbers. (laughs) I think there was a good two, three hundred. Begging, frothing even. Two, three hundred thousand. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Our listenership is just astronomical and just really wanted to know how we felt about um, feminism in the human centipede spoiler alert it's perfect so <laughs> it's, it's a feminist masterpiece as feminist text. as you heard on that episode uh, but today today's movie falls into the category of um our listeners were relentless to the point where <laughs> i was like i don't want to do it and then it was like well I, we we're doing it we're, we're doing, doing it. it here we are this is the Bechdel cast and <laughs> and and so we we um we analyze movies using an intersectional feminist lens jumping off from uh the Bechdel test but what is that Caitlin anyways <laughs> well gee whiz I'm happy to tell you it okay. is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel sometimes called the Bechdel Wallace test that for our purposes our little version of the test um, two people of a marginalized gender have to have names and they have to speak to each other about something other than a man 
for a meaningful conversation Mm -hmm. is what we're going with these days sure so some movies do it with ease others simply have never thought of the concept of women of people talking to each other makes them sick to even think about it really (laughs) (laughs) truly so yes that is that's the show um today's episode is promising young woman which i understand why we got so many requests yes there's a lot to discuss yes (laughs) but also i'm mad at all of you (laughs) it's it's a very challenging movie um and we have a guest joining us that we're delighted to have she is a comedian actor writer Uh, she voices a couple characters in raya and the last dragon she's a writer on close enough on hbo max it's sierra cotto hello hello hey thanks for having me we're so excited to be here we are so excited to have you so normally we do like, uh, oh, what's your like history with this movie? But since it's such a new release, I guess tell us your just kind of like general notion of the movie, general thoughts and feelings surrounding it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I I really liked it. I had just watched it like without knowing anything about it which was you know kind of a lot to take in obviously because it's like if you don't know the cover that the cover of the movie is like girl with like kind of pastel colors and I don't know you know I was just like oh okay Mm -hmm. interesting I wonder what this is gonna be about but like Carrie Mulligan and like the fact that you know it seems to be nominated for a lot of stuff that's good um so then I watched it and then I watched it again almost like the next day because I was so um yeah, I was just like so intrigued by it and the fact that, um, you know, I guess movies with those heavy topics, sometimes you got to watch it again just to be like, oh, wait, I got to catch what everything, you know, what was going on because now I know what it's actually about. So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, Jamie, what about, what about you? <laughs> uh, this was, this is honestly, this was a tough movie for, for me, not because I, think it's not good I think it's very good mm-hmm. um and I really enjoyed uh well enjoyed maybe isn't I didn't enjoy watching this movie either time I watched it I had mm-hmm. a really horrible time I just uh yeah I, I this is like a movie that hits very close to home for me in a way that is like just tough I don't know I I tried to kind of prepare myself going into it and made sure I had like a clearish idea of um of what was going on mm-hmm but it was, I don't know, the the first time I saw this movie, it was at a drive-in for some mm. reason. I mean, the reason was COVID, but also horrible movie to see at a drive-in. Uh, and <laughs> and it just, like, it truly did, like, trigger a lot in me. I, I, I don't really want to get too, too into it, but I, like, had an experience with Campus Assault that is not identical to Promising Young Women in any way, but but a lot of the dynamics at play were very similar, and it seems to have mm-hmm. happened around a similar time-ish that mm-hmm. they're referencing. It just, the specificity with which it, it just, it was really hard. Uh, so by the first time I finished watching the movie, I honestly had no idea if I liked it, didn't like it, or anything. I just was, like, really affected by it, and it, like, mm-hmm. really fucked me up. And I texted you, Caitlin, and I said, I do not want to cover this movie on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it just was so, I don't know. Like, and I, it's even, ugh, I don't, I still have this, like, 
tiny edgelord inside of me that is like, don't say triggered. But that was the response. It was like, it just fucked me up for two days seeing this movie and just brought up all these um, old bad feelings, you know? And, Mm -hmm. but, but after a while it was like, you know, I, I think it's been like two months ish since I first, I saw it like pretty close to when it was released. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it, it just like, seemed like, okay, you know what? The requests aren't going to stop coming. It is, uh, it is a, a, a an important movie, you know, mm-hmm. an important current movie, I think. And um, Sierra is like, the, I, I couldn't think of a better guest to talk about it with. And so, yeah, go, going back through it this time, um, I feel like I experienced it as a as a viewer and not as like a person trying to keep their brain in check and. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. I will say that if you haven't seen this movie and this is like a a triggering topic for you, like Mm -hmm. definitely tread lightly. Yes. I kind of wish I knew a little more going into the first thing or I wouldn't have, for example, seen it at a (laughs) drive-in or even seen it with another person. You know, it's it is very sensitive stuff. And if this is like a topic that is, is particularly difficult for you take care of yourself i wish i had taken a little better care of myself the mm. first time yeah but yeah. there's so much to talk about uh caitlin what's what's your experience here yeah i had a similar kind of reaction to the movie in the sense that i did not enjoy myself while i was watching it i recognize sure. that it's a good movie that is like well crafted and tackles a lot of important things worth tackling but i i just i was very challenged by it regarding like some of the things that happen in the story i also found it triggering and i i don't want to watch it again i'll say that that's a tricky (laughs) yeah it's like the kind of movie where it's like i love it it's important i never want to look at it ever again um (laughs) But I, I would, I would hope that just based on what I've, you know, gathered about um, Emerald Fennel? Question mm-hmm. mark Fennel Fennel. Mm-hmm. We may never know. Um, Shrug. But based on what I, I've gathered, like around her interviews, that does seem like something she wouldn't have a problem with. I don't know. Like I think she's so cool and like so gutsy and brave for having made a movie like this, and the performances are incredible. Like. I really, really like it, but I never want to watch it again. It's yeah. just one of those things. <laughs> I'll I'll listen to the soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Yeah, it's got a good it's great soundtrack. soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I listened to a few interviews about it uh, with her, and mm-hmm. um, I think that was also helpful because it kind of was like you know certain decisions that they that she made honestly, like her talking about it. Yeah, I think was like, ooh, this is a good way to like unpack this without having to like relive through the scenes or any of that. Totally. totally. And like, so this movie is, it was originally supposed to be theatrically released in, I think, April 2020, which obviously yeah, we were excited pushed. about this movie yeah. years oh, yeah. ago. I remember us talking about this like late 2019, like, ooh, mm-hmm. it's going to be good. And I like, I had seen the trailer like, what felt like dozens of times and I was like ooh like oh, this is going to be so good and I'm going to love it and I don't I don't I don't know exactly what I was expecting 
but it didn't quite match up with what the movie ended up well, being. Caitlin, okay, and huge <laughs> spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, but like, did you not expect perhaps for the protagonist to be brutally murdered at the end of the movie? Because I certainly did not expect that. I will say I did not expect that. And again, so. that's not even a criticism. I think that that is like an incredibly like, not, I mean, cool, you know, all things considered, mm-hmm. filmmaking choice. But it was like, I, I was expecting like revenge movie where where she wins. <laughs> I was also expecting that. You know, one of those. So. I actually, well, okay. Liked is a, is a tough word in that scenario. But I think what I appreciated sure. about that ending, and I think this is something I also appreciated more when I heard um, the director talk about it, is that it made, because uh, it is just, it, <laughs> it's so sad. It feels the most realistic just from my own yeah. perspective that it's like, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. I would love to, I don't know, I guess have revenge in these situations, but I just don't do that um, because I out of safety, you know. And then I think mm-hmm. that like sometimes when the revenge does happen, that makes me almost feel worse because I'm like, well, God, I guess I should just do that, you know. But then obviously, this kind of clarifies like, oh, okay, I think we're doing this out of survival if we're letting it go or not even letting it go but you know what I mean like I think it did show that like this is kind of another way that these outcomes can happen in movies hopefully Mm -hmm. right um but uh yeah so I don't know if it almost kind of like presented another way uh I guess also speaking from a uh survivor's perspective myself I guess it does feel like you know the relationship that I have with that is like, well, I guess, I don't know, maybe I could have done more to prevent this, right? And so then I think that kind of was like, okay, or... Or that could end very badly. We don't have a lot of choices, you know? (laughs) Yeah, we don't have a lot of, like, (laughs) options here. So I kind of appreciated it for that, even though totally brutal Mm -hmm. what actually went down in the scene, right? Just like, whoa, Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally hear you. And it's it's one of those endings where, uh, in the, the movie parallel, I'm coming up with I really hope that someone could think of a better one but um just a a movie in which like there is this quest that like an oppressed character is on and at the end they lose it doesn't necessarily mean that that is like not uh, it may it may not mean it's an empowering story but it doesn't mean it's not an important or impactful story Mm -hmm. and unfortunately what I'm thinking of is Rosemary's Baby and Mm -hmm. that's not great but that that you know if you think about like rosemary's quest to overcome this she's met with only obstacles and at the end she fails in that Mm -hmm. quest and it's like she is crushed under the pressure that she's been you know pushing against and that i feel like it's like a similar thing that happens to to cassie she does everything she possibly could do and it's just it's too much like it's too much for one person yeah the movie i kept coming back to is like a comparison was thelma and louise Oh, that's way better. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. But I don't think your example is bad. I, I, I think like there are major similarities between all of these types. But it also just goes to show that we need more stories about this that explore different coping mechanisms, different outcomes, different ways in which trauma is dealt with. And so that we just see a wide variety of possibilities because I think there's... 
there's like a tendency to assume, oh, well, if this has happened to you, if you're a survivor, here's the way to do it. Here's the way to deal with it. So, and it's never just a like one path that anyone's going to take, you know, so the more, and again, I don't necessarily want to watch all of these movies all the time. um, Here's the 12 movies you asked for, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a a need for, you know, just different explorations of this story. Yeah. And so that was the, and I know, I know this, we're, we're structuring this episode slightly differently, but it's just, there's so much heavy shit, even before we talk about what happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that was like, sticking out to me in the way that this movie was reviewed was there was a lot of speculation on like whether the protagonist Cassie who is on this you know perhaps disorganized revenge mission (laughs) but like but but this protagonist Cassie um if like is she a good person or not which Mm. I feel like is not something that we ask of like male revenge protagonists. And so there were, I, I have a few quotes that I can, I can bring up later in the episode because mm-hmm. I just don't care to scroll at this moment. Uh, <laughs> sure. But, but yeah, just a lot of speculation on like, well, like in this revenge movie, you know, she's not like a perfect, you know, she's not the perfect person. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> When, when have you have you ever said that about cool. like Liam Neeson right, in right, any right. movie? Like, what do you just even? I don't know. It, it's so interesting to me because it's like this movie literally just came out, and you still see those like. To me, they just like feel like bizarre questions to be asking, and they're a little pointed and like, oh, this person seeking revenge is not completely pure and. But so fucking what? Like, right. since when is that the promise of a movie like this? Like, it's just mm-hmm. such a bizarre even, like, premise. I don't know. Truly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen those. Hmm. <laughs> and then, well, I mean, this is something we can also talk about. But, you know, there was that critic who deservedly got a lot of backlash for who, like, wrote that review in Variety being like, well, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan wasn't pretty enough to play this character. And like for that to be criticism in a major publication that is happening in the year that's like a tweet draft that you get rid of, (laughs) sir. Like that's that's not a publishable thing to Mm. say. Yeah. Oh God. um, People's reactions uh, still need work (laughs) on things. So um, anyway, should I? I'm gonna do a kind of shorter less detailed more condensed version of the recap just in the interest Mm. of keeping things kind of uh tight um we just don't want to like talk about this movie for two and a half hours we could (laughs) yeah but in the interest of everyone's mental health we're not going to uh wait jamie pitch um remember how we did a nearly three hour episode on the santa claus three yes i don't see why we can't do the same thing (laughs) for this uh here's my answer absolutely not uh santa claus 3 is is good for your mental health (laughs) what about that two-hour episode on flubber um what about that three-hour episode on coyote ugly we can keep (laughs) going (laughs) wait santa claus 3 is that the one with jack frost that you you are correct okay thank god (laughs) so scared i was gonna get that wrong um then of course you gotta do at least an hour and a half on that Jack Frost, Parson. <laughs> we and, did. Good. Then you're good. Yeah. Okay. So here's the recap. And um, just 
trigger warning for this recap as well as what I imagine will be a large chunk of the discussion, trigger warning of rape and sexual assault. Okay, so we meet Cassie, that's Carrie Mulligan, who routinely does a thing where she goes to a nightclub pretending to be very drunk. She waits for a man to come over to her under the pretense of helping her. Well, it's Adam Brody, but yeah, we did, we, Warren's stating it is Seth Cohen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he inevitably takes her home and tries to take advantage of her, Cassie drops the act of her pretending to be drunk and teaches him a lesson. We see her do this with a few different characters throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, she bumps into Ryan, played by Bo Burnham, a former classmate of hers from med school, uh, which we learn she dropped out of. Mm-hmm. He asks her out. They go on a couple dates. He brings up med school. Uh, he wants to know why she dropped out. He mentions a couple students that they used to be classmates with, including Madison McPhee and Al Monroe. Uh, thus begins uh, Car- uh, Cassie, Cassie Mulligan carrying out Cassie, Cassie Mulligan <laughs> for simplicity. Cassie Mulligan, <laughs> pretty much. Her carrying out a revenge plot. Um, Cassieing out. Cassie, Cassie. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's okay. We all make mistakes. <laughs> um, what had happened is that Cassie's best friend, Nina, was raped in med school by Al Monroe, which led to her dropping out, which led to Cassie dropping out, and which eventually led to Nina's death. Right, which we don't fully know yet, yeah. We don't fully know. So this revenge plot includes uh, Cassie teaching a lesson to Madison, um, who's played by Alison Brie. She didn't and still does not believe you know the circumstances of what happened she didn't believe nina when she came to madison for help cassie then teaches a lesson to the dean of the med school connie britton baby connie britton character actors are out in this movie (laughs) (laughs) also a lot of comedians or comedic actors especially in like the guys who were played or who are cast to play like the creepy men yeah, I mean, Sam Richardson, Fedora Sam Richardson. What a moment. <laughs> what a moment, indeed. Uh, Coke-addled yeah. Christopher Mintz-Plassey. Oh, yeah. McLovin <laughs> has a scene. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's almost like, I almost wonder if, I, I, I wonder if she's spoken to this. It almost seems like Emerald Fennell, like, cast all these familiar feeling faces in all these roles of, like, mm-hmm. people that you knew from, like, the 2000s and early 2010s that you're like, oh, I know this person. I trust this person. And then it's like, guess what? They are Mm. horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, Cassie teaches a lesson to Dean Walker, who had dismissed Nina when she reported the crime to her. Um, Cassie also goes to the lawyer, played by Jamie. Mm. It's Alfred Molina. (laughs) Alfred Molina. His scene is two minutes long, but the impact is felt. I'm like, was he on set for 
three hours? We don't know. Probably. We can imagine <laughs> it was maybe a day or two. Um, but yeah, his impact, you know, as always, I mean, honestly, I have opinions on the way his character treated, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, in terms of was the performance there, the pathos, he's on his knees. Mm. <laughs> honestly. Okay. <laughs> if there, if I had no context for what this movie is about, mm-hmm. seeing Alfred Blaine open that door and be like, I've been expecting you is a dream I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to someday knock on his door and he opens it and you say, Alfred, it's your day of reckoning, which just means that it's just the beginning of your and his romantic relationship. And he says, I've been expecting you. And it's like, oh, my God, this is great. And then once inside, it goes much differently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anyway, so this lawyer is the one who defended Al Monroe and who bullied Nina until she dropped her case. Mm-hmm. And Cassie's goal with all of these things is to get these people to reframe their thinking regarding assaults and victim blaming and believing women. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cassie and Ryan are getting closer and falling in love. There's a Paris Hilton, Stars Are Blind song about it. Oh my God. Which I almost forgot existed. But we, but it's important that we don't forget. And so I'm glad it was there. I, I mean... I was glad to be reminded of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's back. Then Madison comes back and gives Cassie a phone with a video on it of Nina being assaulted. Um, something that had been sent around to the various like med school classmates after this assault took place. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassie discovers that her boyfriend, Ryan, was one of the people watching this take place. She basically blackmails him to get information on where Al Monroe's bachelor party is, which she goes to to enact the final piece of her revenge plot, where she confronts Al Monroe for what he did to Nina and him not wanting his reputation and life to be ruined by this. He attacks and suffocates Cassie to death. Mm. He and his friend a.k.a. Max Greenfield, uh, get rid of the body together. But Cassie anticipated something like this might happen to her, so she had arranged for the evidence that she had to be sent to Alfred Molina's character to report it to the police, which leads to Al Monroe being arrested for Cassie's murder. And that is how the movie ends. So let's take a quick break and we will come back to discuss. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. 
Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're back. Um, Sierra, uh, is there anything in particular you would like to start with? Or we can, I mean, we can kind of jump in from any which angle. Oh, um, <laughs> hmm. Oh, I, I know. Maybe we could talk about like the sort of Easter eggs along the way of knowing that maybe Brian was not this good guy or just talking about the concept of like the good guy that they kind of played with in this movie sure yeah oh my god I, I that was like one of the things I liked the most about this movie was like the deconstruction and sometimes it's a little heavy-handed but like it, it, the deconstruction of the of the nice guy is not something you see very often. I don't think this is the first time we've seen it, but it's it's definitely not something that happens often in a movie that gets a ton of like acclaim and and mm-hmm. like is given a lot of positive attention. And we've talked about this on the show a, a lot of how mm-hmm. like when when um I don't know. I mean, there's like two things at play here. The first is like when there is an assault on a woman in a movie, you know, very often it's by this like it's a stranger, it's stranger danger or it's like mm-hmm. someone who is like who an average male viewer will definitely not see themselves in. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's like the whole like twisty mustache, like pure <laughs> evil villain that is like unrecognizable to anyone or just like huge muscly guy that's like a henchman mm-hmm. or what, whatever it is. Right. And mm-hmm. then, and then also, the fact that the the woman is assaulted becomes her like the only thing 
about her. Mm-hmm. But what I what I like about this movie a lot is it takes a lot of different like very like specific examples that are like oh god uh of of <laughs> guys that think they're nice and have been mm-hmm. conditioned to think they're nice but have also been conditioned to mistreat women and you know assault them and and do different degrees of of abuse and and manipulation and exerting their authority mm-hmm. over women while still thinking they're nice guys <laughs> like it's so frustrating but it's so well written i thought yeah i have to say that the first time i watched it i did not see ryan like the reveal that he is an absolute piece of shit i did not see it coming I was like, oh, and maybe it's just because I like Bo Burnham a lot, but I was like, (laughs) no, Bo, don't be like that. Which I think that just means that that character was handled really effectively um, because like Jamie, you were saying, and we have talked about this a lot on the show, although I think we, it comes up more in our like Matreon, Patreon episodes Mm -hmm. than in the main feed, but um, there is this tendency to paint characters who are abusers and and predators as being so cartoonishly evil that no one could possibly recognize them or see themselves in them so when you present a character like ryan who is like goofy and funny and endearing then you're not expecting him to end up being like a rape apologist um, yeah. So I thought that was effective the way that character was handled. But then, like you said, Sierra, in terms of like those little Easter eggs, those little hints that get planted along the way, I honestly like did not fully notice them until I rewatched the movie, and I was like, oh, he's kind of stalking her. He's not taking no for an answer. He's wearing her down. Well, and he's also like totally. constantly. Anytime these guys come up, are like they're not that bad. Like, which I, which, that was like uh-huh. what really right. stuck with Classic me. Al. Right, right, right. Like, and anytime Al comes up, it's like this, I don't even know if there's a word for it or a phrase for it, but he, it's like, oh yeah, that's not great. But also it's not that bad. Like this weird, like sure. wishy-washy, like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have the conversation. So let's just move on. Anytime they come up. Yeah. That, that really stuck out to me on, on a second watch too. It's like, oh Yeah. He doesn't like he doesn't think anything of how these these guys act. Yeah. Yeah, even like him saying or like even the way he addresses it too. It's almost like he does kind of um he knows something's going to come up so he gets ahead of it. Mm. You know, he's kind of like, "Oh yeah, I mean, those guys can't get rid of him." It's almost like he has to apologize for just like hanging around them. So you know something's wrong, mm-hmm. but it's like it's the way that oftentimes guys talk about their problematic friends you know is like Mm -hmm. they know something's up but they're yeah like you said not willing to deal with it so getting ahead of it by sort of minimizing it right away and then being like but you know that's him or whatever yeah it's so like i don't know the second watch of this movie was i mean you really start to not like ryan very much he is like and it's it's frustrating because i mean but i think like he is like as funny, like, not funny because they are, like, being really sexually aggressive. But in terms of, like, the specificity and the humor of, like, the Adam Brody character and the McLovin character who we see earlier in the movie being kind of, like, mm-hmm. these just 
pompous asshole guys who feel entitled to having sex with a girl that they don't think is going to remember, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, like, I mean, that very much fits into this um, this narrative. But in Ryan, you see, like, someone who, yeah, like, the movie fully gets you to to root for. I mean, I feel like the Bo Burnham casting there was really smart because you're like, oh, he's, it's Bo Burnham. They're falling in mm-hmm. love. And also, like, you want, I mean, that's, like, one of the really, like, gut-wrenching things about this movie for me is, like, you you want Cassie to f- have that. And, like, mm-hmm. you, like, oh, it's so awful <laughs> when it's, like, it kind of, like, on on this watch was, like, oh, I guess, like, ultimately, I don't know exactly what the movie is saying. I don't, like, I whatever. <laughs> I, I, but, but, like, the fact that, you know, Cassie very clearly deserves, you know, to have a, you know, fulfilling connection with somebody. And, mm-hmm. and then when she does become vulnerable, and when she does trust herself with someone, it turns out to, like, reinforce her original viewpoint of the world, which was that, you shouldn't trust anybody and mm-hmm. that like there there is just such a wide degree of complicity that no one is safe no matter how much you want that connection and it's such a like it's so <laughs> bleak yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it gets dark fast yeah because cassie is engaging in some pretty self-destructive behaviors she's you know consumed by the the guilt she feels the the trauma that was inflicted upon her friend she's bearing the brunt of some of that trauma i mean obviously this movie has an agenda you know it's a condemnation of rape culture it's it's commentary on victim blaming like these things are all clear but then the the takeaway I know I'm similarly like, well, I guess it's like you can you can stand up and fight the abusers and the rapists and like the larger rape culture and lose. But there's a good chance you'll lose. Well, that um, yeah, but she did get them legally apprehended, I suppose. Yes. So I saw is- that as a win a little bit, even though justice yes, was served, died. but mm-hmm. at the expense of the t- lives of two women yeah which doesn't feel great to me <laughs> right right sure and also it's like once a guy like al is in custody is he really going to be prosecuted to the fullest ex- extent of the law of course not we've seen how those trials play out yeah he's a rich white guy he's gonna so, be like, like he he will probably go to you know probably he'll probably be incarcerated for for a while but will he you know learn anything or be held to held to task for real Mm-hmm. No, that like that. I mean, but also I think that it is like kind of an like when I say that I don't know what the takeaway of the movie is. That's an unreasonable expectation coming from me. Is like, why didn't Emerald Fennell, one person, give me the solution to conquering rape culture? <laughs> like, of <laughs> course yeah, yeah. she doesn't Solved have it. that. None sure, of sure. us fucking have that. And so I, I, I Sierra, like, um, referring back to what you were saying earlier about like how. Unfortunately, like what happens to Cassie is like a realistic outcome. It's not cathartic, but it is 
you know, like <laughs> was clearly a very likely possibility to the point where she recognized that and had planned for that, which also was just like mm-hmm. such a, a, a bleak thing that she went mm-hmm. into this knowing like pretty good chance I don't get out of this alive. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe that is the point is, is like, you know, <laughs> It's not a one-person job. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's right. not, like, one brave hero who is going to kill rape culture. True. It's just, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's just not. I think for me, it's, like, it's more of just, like, a personal preference thing than anything else in the sense that I think I just have such, like negative dark thoughts and feelings thanks to my depression and anxiety that I just really struggle with with movies that have such a bleak ending and I um I think it's just it's like I'm glad this movie exists I think it does a net positive for the world but I'm like I don't know if this is this is not for me I I don't need to see I don't I already know this stuff so it's like I want men to watch this. I want yeah, I like. Say, I would argue that this movie is, you know, is good, and I'm glad that I watched it. But like, yeah, it's 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 kind of frustrating because I feel like like we are made to be the target audience of a movie like this when it's like, no, this is like, love it, but like, I know, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's like people who 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 don't know should should be the you know the the yeah. target audience for that movie, but also you know. Uh, people who are not the target audience are notoriously difficult to get to watch the movie. But I, I, I totally <laughs> difficult conundrum. I, t- I totally agree with you. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that for this movie to have, you know, the like to really act out the the agenda that it very clearly has. It's like, yeah, the McLovins of the world have to watch it, you know, mm-hmm. and like be made uncomfortable by the behaviors they see in themselves that are reflected in these characters and like and in the ryan's of the world of like i'm an amazing Mm -hmm. guy i have grown as a person but also like how do you reckon with your past and that's like something i I really appreciate about this movie and and also like i don't dislike the bleak ending it like makes me fucking so sad but i don't dislike it Mm -hmm. um and i like how many for the most part i do like in terms of like how this is kind of targeting a very particular area of rape culture too, which is also like, I don't know. I feel like anytime there's a movie like this that comes out around a large pernicious issue that is never discussed in movies like rape culture, it's like this one movie has to speak for all of it, which is impossible. Mm -hmm. This movie is like very much in the like subcategory of like campus rape culture yeah and and i do appreciate the different perspectives it explores around that specific area of rape culture of you know like in through ryan and madison you have people who are viewed as like generally good people they're not super villains they're navigating Mm -hmm. the the world you know normally but Mm -hmm. they were okay with this they didn't do anything when they had a chance and what is an appropriate punishment for that? What is an appropriate penance? Like, I don't have that answer. Mm-hmm. And and then with Connie Britton, you have like these escalating crimes of like with Connie Britton's Dean character, you have like someone who was in a position 
to do something about it and didn't because she wanted to be quote unquote fair and she had internalized misogyny and all this boomer lady baggage that we see (laughs) in her. And then we get up to Alfred. And honestly, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking. I just with Alfred, I feel like he gets off a little easy in this movie because he has he is at the top of the the crime thing. It's like Mm -hmm. the whatever. I mean, you can feel any way about it. I don't know how we feel about it, but it's like Cassie very much does approach anyone who negatively affected this situation as equally deserving of punishment, regardless of the severity. Mm-hmm. But Alfred Molina, I feel like is clearly the worst of the bunch. Like he was the lawyer who got Al off at the expense of aggressively pursuing to like take down Nina like that is yeah, such bullying. a huge drama and yeah mm-hmm. like it, an adult man's bullying like a teenager or a young woman who had been assaulted like there are levels here at play where it's like no one wants to say that they were the bystander that did nothing in the way that Madison knew and like clearly knew and did nothing but then you have mm-hmm. Alvar Molina who profited off of aggressively doing something and I don't, I, yeah, I guess it's, I'm still kind of processing that of like, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. The, the movie frames that where he's so wracked with guilt to the point where like he can't work anymore, but it's like, and like begs for forgiveness. He feels bad. So, and then she grants him forgiveness. And I'm like, I just don't really care if you feel bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. I also don't believe that that kind of person would feel bad sure because it was like multiple cases that he supposedly you know his law firm did right right like in the past too even when he was like we used to have to dig through the trash now we just have to find a drunk photo on social it's like so you were pre-social media doing this yeah like for decades i guess (laughs) yeah jesus yeah like yeah you should feel bad you should feel really bad right right Yeah. yeah 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 it's like a just not believing that somebody in that profession would even have compassion or feel anything sorry not not lawyers at large but just like in his specific case um and then also i guess like yeah maybe her her revenge i mean thing it did seem like she was very forgiving overall you know i think she it was the misdirect of like whoa is she like doing something really really bad to these people or okay then we slowly find out oh she just wants like regret and like that's all she's asking for that's pretty low stakes you know yeah totally and it's like, but if you don't demonstrate that regret, she's going to have you assaulted. <laughs> like the, I mean, you, right. the, the, like I saw some critics kind of like being like, but her practices are bad, which is you know not untrue. But I don't even really want to touch that here. I just, in general, in terms of the the clear, I mean, there literally there's five people like Kill Bill style who are mm-hmm. on her list of people that she particularly thinks had a negative impact on on Nina's case right and yeah I mean it's I guess I don't I don't dislike it but they they're I don't know I don't know the Allison Brie thing was tricky for me on the first watch but I think that that is also kind of personal where Mm -hmm. I I don't like that's the sort of thing where I feel like it's it is a kind of survivor to survivor situation where like I had friends and people in my life who did not 
were not inclined to believe me or help me in any way when things were going on that over time I was able to find some empathy for and some forgiveness Mm. for but that's also not everybody's situation and then also it's like you have to keep in mind that this is not Nina enacting revenge. This is Cassie mm-hmm. enacting revenge on behalf of Nina. Right. Which which is why I kind of, I liked that at first in the, like the, the Molly Shannon character, which is like, there's another comedian in this movie uh-huh. who plays Nina's mom, who, you know, kind of tells like Cassie, like you need to move on. Like this isn't helping me. It isn't helping Nina. You're, you're just kind of acting in this really self-destructive way. And mm-hmm. like, please move on which is like well that's the point where you need to like her mother told you yeah to cut it you know and uh, I don't know I mean that's that's like the tragedy right is you don't know what Nina would want in this situation she's not there to tell you and so Cassie's kind of guessing what she might want Mm -hmm. but a lot of that is enmeshed in her own guilt and her own problems and and so any of the revenge enacted is kind of like there's all these levels to it because it's not like this happened to me and I want revenge for it. It's like this happened to my friend. This is what I am guessing she would want and also I would want for it. It's just like it's so messy and complicated. Right. And you get the sense that like she was just going to kind of target random men for like maybe uh, for who knows how long but her until until jennifer (laughs) coolidge uh kicked her out of the house (laughs) right until she filled up her notebook with tally marks yeah she's (laughs) like well my notebook is full so i've my job here is done um (laughs) and it's not until she learns that el monroe has moved back to the area that she starts this more targeted revenge plot to the people who she feels need to be you know brought to justice and yeah i i struggled with some of that in in terms of like because the movie kind of tricks you into thinking oh is she like killing these men that she meets at the nightclub is she did she actually arrange for madison to be assaulted so that she'll learn her lesson did she actually abduct dean walker's teenage girl to teach the dean a lesson you know and it's all and you find out marks, no yeah. right and it, so it's but like i just i don't know i mean maybe that's just like the effectiveness of that storytelling but i was just i just found all of that kind of unsettling what i really take issue with is there are a couple scenes where cassie is being assaulted and I feel like we we saw more than we sh- needed to see. Mm. That we were like kind of lingering on that. I I don't know. It was just I'm like, do we do this need to be on screen? I kind of disagree with that. I, I I feel like that depends on who the target audience of this movie ultimately is. I think if it is like, you know, like for uh, people who have experienced that or who have felt like that is a looming threat over them all the time, like, yeah, showing an assault is not really a responsible filmmaking choice. But I think that if your, if your target audience is like 
men generally who have displayed these behaviors who need to who need to see it like mm-hmm. I don't know I mean there, there's definitely a, a, a bunch of different perspectives there I think that in terms of like a man who might see himself in kind of this goofy way of like oh yeah I I kind of act like McLovin and blah 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 and then seeing that escalation I think could actually have like an effect on like oh shit, like, have Mm -hmm. I done something like that? Is that an instinct I would have? I think that there is like, it it felt like, it didn't feel like throwaway at least, it felt intentional. Sure. But I also, you know, it it is like triggering as well. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's definitely, there's like a lot of sides there. Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to like killing Cassie, you know? It's like- That's a long, drawn out moment. I thought for sure, like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, of course, anytime a main character is killed, I think I was just, like, really waiting for, like, that next twist of, like, she's faking it and then she's going to get out. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) she's going to do the thing. And it was, like, maybe just, I think I remember going over my head, like, it maybe there's somehow and then you know it just i guess gave yeah same time to be like oh there's just no way i guess this happened like i don't know mm-hmm. but yeah awful. yeah and, mm-hmm. and 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 i did feel like that like i mean it's again it's like it's not a rewatchable scene it's like no one wants to see that scene happen over and over and over but it did feel intentional that like especially with a female director who i believe is a survivor as well and you know it, it's like I don't know it's like you it, it's not going to be for everyone but especially it's like I, I don't know I, if she wants me to sit with it for this viewing okay it's going to feel like shit but it's supposed to feel like shit and it sounds like that reaction that we all had to be like no she can't be dead like this mm-hmm. is like super motivated revenge character that never dies can't be dead and like but she is and that is so affecting and you see her like go down fighting and just all this stuff and Mm -hmm. I don't know it's I didn't I didn't enjoy it but I did I did feel it was effective I don't know sure yeah (sighs) let's take another quick break (laughs) (laughs) and just oh just for us this time. <laughs> Just it's this is for us. And we'll come back to discuss more. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right. Sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're back. Where do we go from here? I think something worth discussing is, yes, this is a movie centering on like women's empowerment and condemning this larger victim-blaming rape culture we live in, but it still centers a cis- middle-class, able-bodied white woman. And not that those stories are not worth telling, but that demographic has been who most of stories of this nature have been focused on, not only in like movies and TV, but, you know, real life news. So this just kind of adds, that's just another tally mark to the that type of story about that demographic and, and again not that this movie shouldn't exist because it's about a blonde white woman but there it just speaks to the need for other people to have their stories told it is still a largely white cast we have gail who is played by laverne cox who is of course a black trans woman but, but she, she isn't has given no. Much I mean, she do. has no story outside of her relation to Cassie, which is mm-hmm. this movie came out in 2021. How are we still having like one of the only non-white characters be a best friend who we know nothing about outside of relation to protagonist kind of you know deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was disappointed in that, especially because Laverne Cox like really makes a meal of what she's given like she's so funny and they're like why couldn't her character be more actively involved in the story why couldn't we know more Mm -hmm. about her 
could we have maybe like cut a random character who appears for one scene and given Laverne Cox an arc? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I was that that was like one of the more disappointing parts of the movie for for me. Yeah, I think she's only I didn't like time it out exactly, but I would guess that she's only in the movie for a total of like a couple scenes, five mm-hmm. minutes, five to seven minutes in an almost two hour movie that was disappointing and i mean i think that it's like in in these kinds of stories it's like you always see a story around like a social issue centered around a white character first right and that is like it may be a very good movie it may be an effectively told movie but it's that like i feel like we come up against movies like that quite a bit on this show where it's like oh like this movie was a step forward of like this is not a commonly discussed film topic but Mm -hmm. when it finally is able to get made and able to get seen it's done in a way that feels very like Hollywood safe of like well but it's about Carrie Mulligan so like you know and and it (laughs) it is still centered around like a cis white character Mm -hmm. yeah I I totally see what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah I wish I I thought yeah one of the like well missed opportunities but also kind of unbelievable thing would be that like if Cassie's character and Gail's supposed to be like her best new best friend in her new life which isn't attached to her med school life Mm, which I guess she's trying to get rid of so like wouldn't she loop her into like at least something more but their relationship is really like nothing (laughs) like it's like what is what does Gail think Cassie does yeah Gail doesn't know much about her yeah like other than work there but yeah I mean it was very I guess kind of stock BFF coming in to like fluff your feathers and leave you know which also is like a story, yeah, like you're saying, it's like that's a missed storytelling opportunity of like, this is the her only, I mean, we're to believe her only friend, mm-hmm. but her only friend doesn't know anything about her. And they just like kind of <laughs> communicate in these like, what are they talking about all day? <laughs> who are you dating right now? Like, right, who's right, that right. cute boy? And it's like, come on, you, you have Laverne Cox. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, almost all of her lines have to do with Ryan. Like she's another, I mean, yeah, we've, we've talked about this a number of times recently where like there's a character who is just like a queer character specifically who is present to like just wonder what's going on in the romantic lives of straight people. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like, it's so, it's like a, a trope that is so easily identifiable that I am truly like so frustrated and shocked when it still ends up in a mainstream popular movie it's like how how many times does it need to be said Mm -hmm. that was yeah that was super super frustrating yeah um what's let's see there's there's other stuff going on here oh I did like just in terms I mean in general I guess this is like a genre thing where I feel like in the revenge genre, and correct me if I'm like completely off here, because this is not like my genre, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like the person seeking revenge, sometimes you kind of don't know that much about them. And I always find that so frustrating. And I also found that frustrating in this movie. But I think that's just the genre where it's like Mad Max, my daughter. And then you don't know anything else about him. <laughs> like Kill Bill my daughter <laughs> and then you don't find out anything else about her taken my daughter my daughter like it's very <laughs> often <laughs> or is it like john wick is like my dog or something or is that my wife um it's um, it's my it's dog but he's also sad about his wife 
Okay, so it's like this is this is this doctor, the doctor, and doctor, and, and for Cassie, it's like my best friend, mm-hmm. and you don't know much about her outside of it. I just, I mean, maybe this is just like me chafing with this genre, but I'm like, but I would have liked to know a little more about her and like what her, because I do like that they, you know, build out a life for her. And you get the feeling of like, oh, here are her parents. They have no fucking clue what to do, even though they love her, which plays out. And I thought like, yeah, casting Jennifer Coolidge there was so great. And she is like the perfect mom who does not know what to do <laughs> for generations. And she's, she's great. And and I, I like that this world is built out for her. And you also kind of understand for the most part of like, the only I mean, it's like the only reason that Cassie is able to live this revenge life is because of like her own privilege. Like if she actually had to like work to live and didn't have the ability to stay with her parents and plan revenges, mm-hmm. uh, then her life might look really different. And that didn't even like hit with me remotely in the first one. I was like, oh, yeah, if she didn't have like this nice ass house to hang out with with her parents and like plenty of space to conceal her secrets, her life would just look really different. That's not here nor there. I was just like, oh, wow, you just you can't just live that revenge life. You know, someone has to be bankrolling that revenge life (laughs) because you can't really live that revenge life on a barista income. (laughs) Speaking from personal experience. (laughs) Right. By the way, her like we said, her mom, who is Jennifer Coolidge and her dad, who is Clancy Brown, who is most famous for being one of the henchmen in Flubber. His best known role. Yeah, I didn't make him. that connection, and I lo- I really did like the the parents in this movie. I feel like they they mm. really give they real oh, that scene where her dad is like, "We really miss Nina, but we really miss you," and you're like, oh. mm. "That's so." I did appreciate like there are little things that happen in this movie that like speak to survivors' experience or survivors' guilt that were like really specific in a way that was like, yeah, I mean, certain things. And, and of course it's like, it is written in a kind of campy way at times where like Carrie Mulligan, she gets quippy in some scenes, Mm -hmm. you know, she's not firing off things you would know off the top of your head, but like, who gives a shit? I love that. (laughs) Um, But like the, the knee jerk defenses that you hear from, from the Dean, the knee jerk defenses you hear from, Ryan especially when Ryan is backed into a corner the way Mm. he suddenly behaves is like oh there you are you know there's (laughs) who you actually are (laughs) (laughs) and then with her parents like you you like I, I feel like something this movie does do effectively is shows that when an assault that barely affects the life of someone like Al the ripple effects are huge. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's completely altered the course of Cassie's life, but it's also like, you know, affecting her family and affecting, you know, it just, it, it ripples out so far and yeah, there's never space made for that. For sure. Yeah, I think one of the things this movie does effectively that I haven't seen a lot in other kind of similar movies or movies that tackle similar subject matter is it shows that 
the perpetrator of the assault is not the only villain in this scenario. There are enablers, there are cheerleaders, there are bystanders who did nothing to intervene. There are authority figures who gave the abuser the benefit of the doubt. There are, you know, peers who didn't believe the victim because she had a certain reputation. You know, there's there's all these people that I think get that tend to get overlooked in other stories of this nature that I I did really appreciate about this yeah. movie. Yeah, I know one interview with the director was she actually described I think the characters as like good people who are doing bad things, which I was really fascinated with. Even like she would say Ryan or, you know, some of the other like (laughs) characters that were like, oh, that's a bad person. Like, I think that's what she was trying to convey here, which, you know, as we said with the casting and stuff, did a really good job because we trusted these people and like some of these people seem like they could be your buddy, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I think that was, oh, well, yeah, actually your buddy. Um, (laughs) Our best friend. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, a true knock on his door, you know, we know the drill. But yeah, it is really like, I think that's what was so unique because it's like, of course, we know rapists equal bad. Like, we got that. Mm-hmm. hopefully if we don't if you don't know that then like it lost cause who cares don't watch movies um but like you know i think this was like more of the like uh, yeah the enablers the people around that and then being like examine your own actions or people close to you because that's going to be much more possible that you might be that person instead of mm-hmm. the al monroe but like you might be uh madison mcphee or whoever yeah yeah, the totally. Madison McPhee character in particular, like some some reviewers are having an issue with her, but I, I, I mean, I think that that is, I mean, that is the case for women watching this movie. Of like, there is that internalized misogyny, and also the way that Cassie speaks with her because they're talking about an assault that took place seven or eight years ago but it's been a seven or eight years where the conversation around campus assault has completely changed like from Mm -hmm. 2013 it's completely different now Mm -hmm. and there was no culture of believe women then and there was a lot of like and, and 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 having her present that was like I mean, it was like painful and frustrating because it's like behaviors that you recognize in, in, I don't know, like being in school at that time. You're like, oh, yeah, that was absolutely like a constant conversation going on. But, but, but then like we were talking about earlier, for Cassie to set the bar so low as to just be like, can you demonstrate remorse for how you <laughs> behaved then? And mm-hmm. she can't do it. She can't. And it's that is like the worst feeling in the world is like like you're saying sierra that like emerald was saying in an interview that like they're not bad people but the fact that it's like if madison's not a bad person and she has spent eight years sort of in the back of her head being like well you know these things happen and like i mean that's just like a very real thing that exists in the world and Mm -hmm. it's i don't know there's there's so much most of the criticism around this movie I've I, I sort of received as like you know how is one filmmaker gonna give you a definitive answer for this problem I don't mm-hmm. know like it is such an ambiguous and, and changing conversation and everyone yeah. feels different about it for sure 
Um, to your point a little earlier, Jamie, in terms of us not knowing a whole lot about Cassie, I I think we do get to know her a little bit better than kind of similar characters in similar movies. But what I'm and tell let me know if this is not a fair assessment, but because there is a tendency in narratives like this for like the survivors to be predominantly defined by their trauma. I feel like we were getting traces of that, maybe not to the extent that we've seen in other stories, but with Cassie, like her whole narrative, I mean, her whole goal is like this all consuming trauma guilt feelings surrounding this yeah assault that had happened to her friend and I mean that's also kind of the nature of storytelling it needs to be focused and specific and like you know we've been talking about she she is given more of an interior life than you know again other similar characters we've seen and a part of the movie that I like part of the trajectory of the story that I appreciated and enjoyed was when she goes to talk to Nina's mom, Molly Shannon. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Cassie, this is not doing anybody any good. You're acting like a child and you need to let it go and move on. And it seems like Cassie takes this to heart and that, cause that's when she starts to get closer and open up a bit more with Ryan. And she like, lets what appears to be a healthy relationship into her life. And it's Mm -hmm. only until she sees that he was a bystander of this assault that she decides to carry out the rest of her plot, uh, her revenge plot, that... (laughs) Yeah. It, it, I, I see what you're saying, and and I feel this way about a lot of movies. I it, I don't really feel that. I don't know for the way it struck me was like, and maybe it was not done in the you know 100 percent best way possible. That you know whatever, no movie is perfect. But I I, I felt like what Cassie is experiencing is like, it felt like to me like the how how an event like this takes over you know has the potential to just take over your life and yourself and not in terms of like a bad writing perspective but in terms of like I think that there there are ways that these storylines are written where it's like oh yeah the trauma is the defining woman like moment of this woman's life because plot 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 sure whereas like her friend's death was the defining moment of her life she can't move on but we do get indications that she might want to through mm-hmm. like this potential relationship and through her you know talking to molly shannon and being like yeah i'm clearly like but she can't let it go mm-hmm. and i don't know i, I found, found that relatable of like <laughs> yeah. you know you're trying to get out of this toxic cycle of behavior but you just like and you and also i'd like i, I agree with you there is like that moment with molly shannon she like she knows she's fucking her life up i don't think she's just like she doesn't think that, but it's like she cannot mm-hmm. get there. She can't let it go. Yeah. And I don't know. Like it's 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 an extreme example, but I there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad writing. No. But like, yeah. I, 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 and I see what you're saying. I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, there's moments where I'm like, Cassie's like more of a symbol than a character to me at different points mm. where like mm-hmm. she is this like symbol of like trying to break past this traumatic event and trying to hold people accountable. And it's too much for one person. It's impossible. It's already killed one person. And yeah. it's, I don't know. Like, I, I, this is, I don't know what this says for the movie, but I, like, don't even really think of her as a character as much as, like, this central symbol for the harmful effect that this is. And, like, the precedent and, like, what had me just, like, fucked up for days after seeing this movie the first time was, like, for Nina, right? Of, of like, the only way she got justice is to have a friend willing to like give up years of her life and die and Mm -hmm. it still wasn't enough you know it's just like so sad Mm -hmm. and so frustrating and and not completely untrue and uh, yeah so it's I, I don't know I feel like I, I I think of Cassie almost as like this like symbol of like the impossibility of these of these situations for people right yeah I see that yeah definitely yeah, I think I think also she had been described, you know, again, referring back to probably an interview or something that I some meta dad on the show or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. She kind of had already like her life had already been over by that event. And I think that I wonder like if it's kind of like the way that people, you know, when I mean, the whole movie, right, it's called Promising Young Woman, because I guess it's a play on, you know, well, he's a promising young man why ruin mm-hmm. his life and it's like always oh well a life's already been ruined why didn't we care about that so I mm-hmm. feel like maybe you know I kind of mapped that concept onto her it's like totally yeah. her life has been ruined and it's not that she's ruining it it's that he ruined her life and Nina's life obviously and so then this is the result of that um so you know and it's a, it's obviously just awful thinking about it if you're thinking like what would she have been, right? Like, think of the possibilities if she had, if this hadn't, if he hadn't done that, and then she had become a doctor and saved a bunch of other people's lives, you know? So I mm-hmm. think that's kind of reminded me of, like, whenever we talk about, like, <laughs> I mean, not to bring it back to literally something too close to home, but, like, when people complain about, oh, my favorite dude actor or comedian or whatever and now I'm not going to get to see his movies anymore because we're canceling him and it's like well what about the literal like several creative women typically whose lives he ruined like we didn't get to see their work or whatever right Mm -hmm. so that's already been sacrificed apparently and now we only worry about his future work but I guess that's sort of like yeah she was a character she was a symbol and it was almost like she wasn't she didn't get to live the character's life because that was already over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminded me, this is like the like worst observation of my life, especially after <laughs> Sierra. That was like so well put. And, but I, I, the way I saw this movie ending originally, just as I was watching it unfold and before the second act fuckery started going and you're like, oh no, I'm hurting. This is my, oh no, my body um, <laughs> was... Um, I thought it was kind of going to go the way of Teeth, which is one of my favorite vigilante Ooh. justice movies ever. And at the end of Teeth, spoiler alert, everyone should go watch Teeth. Mm-hmm. The, you know, like she, you know, the, the, the girl with teeth 
in her vagina. Um, mm-hmm. She does not win per se, right? But she does survive and she goes on to say, I'm going to enact that. I'm going to continue this vigilante vagina crime that I've mm-hmm. had going. And like, it's not, it's a very imperfect outcome. It's not like she got what she wanted, but she still is, you know, she has this mission. And that's kind of what I saw happening for Cassie. And throwing a wrench into that in like very sudden realism was like, fuck. I mean, it's, it, it, I don't even know like at what point I'll be like, I've fully processed that filmmaking choice. Like it's, it's a lot, but, but I'm, yeah, that, that level of, of realism. And, and then they real I mean, Emerald Fennell makes you fucking sit with it. They light her on fire and you see this character that you've built this, emotional connection to to like oh she was so close to getting some of you know maybe making some progress in her life and like maybe this is the last big thing she needs to do and then she can move forward but but like you were just saying Sierra it's it's there should be space made for for people who who do not get to have that triumphant other side of the story because Mm -hmm. there's many people that through all, all these different factors don't get to have that and then I became a doctor and justice was served like that is just not the norm like even in mm-hmm. I find it like I mean I know they have to wrap up the movie but Al getting arrested I'm like so fucking what what is actually going to happen to this person <laughs> like if this is commentary on the Brock Turner case nothing is going to happen to him if it's commentary on the Brett Kavanaugh case nothing is going to happen to him Mm-hmm. But that's another movie, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. another series. That's another thing. But it's... Yeah, I don't even know what my point was. <laughs> Teeth. <laughs> Teeth. <laughs> Two things. I, I just spent the last 30 seconds trying to figure out if Vigilante anagrammed to vagina something at all. Because you did say like vagina vigilante instead of listening to my incredible point that's interesting jamie i can multitask i can i can (laughs) i can anagram plus anything i does it come out to anything it's it's not quite there's a there's an an extra a that we need but it's let me i'll keep working on it um okay the other thing is uh i read on our favorite scholarly journal wikipedia that emerald fennell originally planned to have the ending of the movie be that Cassie's body, her body is disposed of and she's burned. And uh, that's how the movie ends without any justice being served in terms of Al Monroe getting arrested, but that the investors in the film did not want that bleak of an ending. (laughs) Um, So she Hmm. rewrote it to include um, the ending that we get. The other ending she had considered was where apparently Cassie does not die. She appears at the wedding and then kills, it just says, responsible men. So Al Monroe, <laughs> whoever Ryan? else. Ryan, Ryan, Max Greenfield's character. Oh, I mean, that that would have been the teeth ending, right? Like that's, that's right, exactly. the vigilante ending that you're expecting. I mean, I, I do kind of mm-hmm. like that she subverted that. And I also yeah. appreciate that it wasn't the worst thing she could think of. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason that she didn't go with that ending of like her just like vigilante killing everyone was that Emerald Fennell deemed it unrealistic, which goes back to what we've been talking about is that it isn't super realistic and the ending that does play out is more aligned with what tends to happen in real life 
A fun fact that I found that is like so dorky, but I was like, interesting. Uh, <laughs> Cassie is, I, that is a reference to like a Greek myth. Um, it's a reference to Cassandra, who was the truth teller prophetess who was never believed. Oh. Um, and so it turns out that was a very deliberate name choice. And I was like, huh. damn, she's good. Emerald Fennell went to a library. Emerald really did her yeah. Wikipedia. So she's good. in that knowledge. Uh, is there anything else anyone else wanted to, to touch on? Um, I'm pretty emotionally exhausted. So <laughs> I'm... <laughs> That's a... Yeah, yeah. We, we covered, all, covered all of it. Solved all of it, I think. Yeah, I think we really fixed rape culture today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We did it. Your move, Promising Young Woman, Hurrah. to... Just kidding, please oh, don't. Oh, yeah, the sequel? Um, <laughs> come on. The 10-part Amazon series. Right, yeah, like, let's make this uh, more painful for everybody. <laughs> I'm very glad this movie exists, but I yeah. don't want to see it again. Um, but Agreed. does it pass the Bechdel test? It does. Uh, there are... The yeah, <laughs> right, it's just like, is it even relevant for this movie? <laughs> but it does. It does. Uh, Cassie talks to Gail, her mom, Nina's mom. As far as our nipple scale, where we rate the movie a zero to five nipples based on an examination of intersectional feminism. Okay, I guess I'll give this four nipples because I agree. It's I'm glad this movie exists. I do think it is a net positive. I think it's, and I'm glad more movies are tackling this issue of just this kind of societal ill of rape culture, victim blaming. Um, this movie has a very clear agenda and I think that it, for the most part, it handled it all pretty effectively, especially cause it's, it's handled in a way that it is like palatable for a wide audience, mm -hmm. which it shouldn't have to be movies like about this shouldn't have to be palatable but it does help and there are some movies that were uh, there was a movie i saw cited I'll, I'll post it in the in the notes of the episode but there there are a few movies that have in the past five years explored campus rape culture but this is the one that took hold and i think that it does have to do with what you're saying caitlin with like it being the most palatable star-studded attempt to touch on this subject because mm -hmm. i know that some of the synopses i was reading for movies that have come out in the past year about um, campus rape culture were fucking brutal mm. yeah not bad but just brutal sure sure so yeah, I think that's helpful, especially that plus it's gotten a lot of attention, a lot of award nominations, which means more people will see it. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that is the case. And I'm glad I saw it. But as I've said, I don't want to watch this movie again. <laughs> I've seen it three times now to, you know, oh, no. for, yeah, and that I filled my quota <laughs> you know. for at least You're good. Yeah, yeah. 10 to 20 years. So, uh, but even so, four nipples, um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, honestly, I'm gonna skip rating this. I'm not gonna mm. rate it, because I still don't, <laughs> I feel like I'm still processing it. Sure, um, fair. But I, I will I will say that I am very glad this movie exists. I, I think it is, like, a big step forward in having this discussion in the mainstream. I don't agree with every choice 
made. We didn't even have time or the emotional energy to get into like the hyper, hyper, hyper specifics. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there's a lot of pressure on movies like these to be perfect and to have a message that is palatable to everybody, to have a message that is like meaningful to men who may display these behaviors and also to people who have been on the receiving end of them. Like it is such a huge burden's not the right it's such a huge topic to take on as a filmmaker Mm -hmm. and such a huge topic to even get something like this made and I think that this does kind of fall and and this is not a slam on Emerald Fennell in any way she's clearly very talented but there is like you know she we see many or most directors that kind of pop out who are women recently are already established white actresses. Um, Uh And that is, that's not, fortunately is not exclusively the case, but it is a clear kind of trend of like, you have to have already been a successful blonde woman for a decade and then you can be creative. (laughs) We'll let you direct a movie. Yeah. It's not the (laughs) fault of the women, but it bums me the fuck out. Um, that's neither here nor there. I'm very mm-hmm. glad this movie exists. I think it like challenges a lot of things that are are not challenged at all. And I hope that we can see different takes on this topic. I hope that this is not the rape culture movie. It shouldn't be. There's so many different perspectives and communities and, you know, all of that shit. It's mm-hmm. just sub... I mean, this is like a campus rape movie with a particular view. This shouldn't even be the only campus rape movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And that makes me sad to say out loud too. But <laughs> I hope I hope that this movie's success makes room for like blazes a trail for other filmmakers to explore similar themes and and be able to do it their way in the way it seems like Emerald Fennell really did it her way here, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. So I am not granting nipples at all today, and I and uh, the the movie is good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Sierra. Final thoughts. You're you can award nipples or also pass you know sure. pass on that up to you Just, yeah i mean i i think also a, a good four nipples is a good range for me as well for this movie at large and i think um i've also was thinking about it in the sense of like sort of how rom-coms like it had a lot of rom-com tropes in it you know we're talking about like the the kind of stock best friend and then you know and then it flips it on its head of course with like ryan Even aesthetically being, like yes yes totally <laughs> Music soundtrack, yeah, the way they just did all the like glances and they look up at each other and all these things. So, yeah, I think it was. I, I that was another thing that I think resonated with me as somebody who feels betrayed by all rom coms. Why were they so problematic? But I still like them. But they're always I can't watch them again because they have problems. Um, so I think that kind of was another thing that I, that I thought was interesting about it, liked about it. Sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, I agree. There's like, definitely it feels like sometimes with these uh, topics, these heavier movies, like it's like they almost can only tackle one thing at once. Like we're babies and we have to only do one thing. So they have to, and yeah. my yeah, we can only do this and it has to be this kind of person with this kind of, you know, thing and, and mm-hmm. you know, okay. So hopefully we'll move <laughs> past that soon. But, um, but yeah, similar feelings for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean... We've had a really interesting discussion. I'm glad that there are movies like this more and more that generate these 
deep, thoughtful, amazing discussion. Oh, wow. Look at us. We're so amazing. Oh, wow. No, no. We're so smart. Um, Look at us. But no, like, I I appreciate that this movie challenged me in the ways that it did. So kudos to the movie for that. Sierra, thank you so much for joining us in this yeah. discussion. Thank you for having me. It was so, you know, I we dove right in, you know. <laughs> so I'm glad. I feel very honored to be here. Yeah, I feel like yeah, this. let's uh-huh. like um come back let's, for a fun let's one. decompress. Sure. How how have you been? How's how's things? <laughs> you know, yeah, everything's light and fun. Um <laughs> so you got that side of me. Um but yes, for sure. You know, I'll I'll come back for a for a light one at some day, but it was good to, to kind of have this conversation because this movie has kind of been, you know, it's a quarantine time. I only got to see it in my lonesome and like stew on it in my own head and maybe read mm-hmm. a few articles, but it's good to talk it over with real humans who are also <laughs> very thoughtful about it. And um, even though it is very heavy and probably will, you know, require some I'll have a little, I'll have a little white tea after this, you know, do a little self-care. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna take a bath. Yeah, please take take the take the night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys. Let's all take kick the up night. your feet. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And where where can we where can we find you online? Where can our followers come and come and find oh, yes. you? Is actually really scary. Yeah, what where can they dox me? <laughs> <laughs> please do not go and find her uh, but do follow right. her online. on the on the yeah in the digital sense um yeah thanks i i am on uh, instagram at sierra cato s-i-e-r-r-a-k-a-t-o-w uh twitter same thing that's just my name and i have a podcast called stay Podsitive that I have kind of lapsed on a little bit, but um, you know, it exists. There are episodes, would love to have you both on someday if you would be so open to it. It's you know, it's very um, it's more light, I would say, than Promising Young Woman, but um, (laughs) what? But you know, you know, we talk about uh, just how people keep their heads up in tougher times, stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I am on, ooh, I'm on TikTok. Brave. Same name as well. I mean, I don't do that much, but I love to watch them. <laughs> no, I have sure. some, I put some videos on. Um, oh. Yeah, I'll, uh, that, those are the main things. Excellent. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you again for coming on. Come back anytime. You know, if there's a Christmas yes. movie, for example, that you want to talk to us Santa about Claus for four? three hours. Where's yeah. Santa Claus 4? <laughs> four hour <laughs> podcast. Let's do it. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast. You can check out our Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, which is $5 a month. It gets you two bonus episodes every month, plus access to the entire back catalog. You know, take a bath, take a nap. You're gonna be, you're gonna be fine. Drink a tea. Drink a tea. You know, and and really practice self care. Yeah. Now and always. I wa- I watched um, the first half hour of my big fat Greek wedding after <gasps> finishing Promising Young Woman last night because I'm like, we just need a palate cleanser. We just need- yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Indeed. (sighs) Okay. Bye-bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.